Thank you. Good morning. I'm Daniel Bell, one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning, as we have finished last week our Isaiah sermon series, we have a standalone message. And uh, we will soon start a new series that will lead us into the land. But I wonder if you ever uh, had a moment in your life when you were in a crisis, and especially you were hungry for something. Maybe it was, it was food that you were lacking, or maybe, maybe some of you were hungry for love, or for more friends, or for acceptance. Or maybe we really are hungry today for God's grace, for His presence with us. We are hungry maybe today for His healing. And we say, God, we want you to come. We are so hungry for you to come. But what if you are so hungry, maybe in those moments when you were so hungry, the, cri- the crisis was so great, but you said, Lord, if you don't come, we will die. There is no other chance for us but you to come and be with us. So we were hungry for His presence, for His power to come, for His hand to show up and to change circumstances, to move mountains for us. This morning we are going to look at one of the beautiful stories, sometimes neglected, of the Old Testament. It comes from the book of Kings. But it is a story of the old, uh, uh, old Israel, and they are under siege. There is the king of Aram, which is kind of Syria, coming and they surrounded the city, the capital city. And this is what is going on right there. In in the middle of that, God tells them something. And they say, it's too good to be true. They cannot believe what God is telling them. So a city under siege. And this is how the story goes. I will not read the whole story. It's chapter 6 and 7, but... Just read with me a few of these verses. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we will leave. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The man who had leprosy reached the edge edge of the camp entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes, 
and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, What we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So if you remember, this is a story in the kings. And uh, with Solomon, if you remember, the king Solomon, and he had a big kingdom he inherited from, from David. But after him, the kingdom of Israel split, the northern kingdom and the southern one. The southern one was Judah with the capital in Jerusalem. The northern kingdom was Israel with the capital in Samaria. So what happens is Aram, you see today Syria, he comes with an army and he sees, uh, he has a, a siege. that The entire Aramean army is surrounding the capital city of Samaria. They are under siege. Being under siege is very dangerous because you are cut off. So King Jeroham is in the Samaria, in the city, and he is cut off from everything. There is no food supplies coming in or going out. There is nothing they can do. They start to look in there. Can you imagine just being under siege yourself, going to your cupboards and, and your uh, food storage and just starting to eat every day and thinking, you know, today we are going to open this can and we are going to split it so we will survive more. But after a while, there is no more cans to open. After a while, there is no more bread. After a while, there is no more corn. Uh, there is nothing left in the city. In fact, the famine is so devastating that in chapter 6, they start to eat their young. Maybe you say, well, there's no such a thing. There's, it's impossible to be such a thing. Well, maybe today is not. But just think about it. We just said, you know, we pray for us going to Cuba. Cuba, you can think of a country under siege. You know, it's a beautiful country. But it is because it's landlocked. You no, know, it's surrounded by uh, water, you know, by water. Every supply that goes to Cuba is very tightly controlled. What they eat is tightly controlled. When we go there, we have to take our food, and Wingritter knows that. That's what she tells us every time when we go. She says, make sure you take this food because we are going to go in their home with our own groceries, and they will just prepare the food that we brought. If you go in a Cuban store, it looks like this. You think this is their Meyer store. Just imagine going to Meyer and on the shelves. That's the only shelf in the whole store. And that's what you can buy. And your power, the purchasing power is about 20 bucks a month if you're a doctor. Otherwise, it's maybe 16. Cuba is not in a good situation. And the same thing can be on a personal level. You can be under siege on a personal level. But being under siege as the city of Samaria, they were in a political crisis. The king was unable to provide, to do his job. He was unable to secure the safety of his people. Economically, it was a disaster. Everybody was hungry. Kids were disappearing. Military defeat. The army is not able, is important, not able to do anything. They were not able to go and break through the army of the Arameans. They are starving anyway. They cannot fight. Religiously, they start to blame God. And they go after God's prophet. The king, in fact, wants to kill him, to behead him. 
And in a time such as this, on all levels, there was bankruptcy. They were bankrupt. Can you imagine? Maybe you sometimes think that our country is bankrupt. That morally and socially and spiritually we go down the hill and there's nothing we can do to stop. But they were exactly like that. And in a time such as that, God speaks to a prophet. God speaks to Elisha. And he comes with a powerful word. The king is just about to kill him. And this is what God speaks to Elijah in that time. He says, do you know what? Listen, God's word. This is God's word. The famine is over. This time, tomorrow, food will be plentiful. The market at the city gate will be buzzing. And they look at each other and say, who can believe that? The king is in disbelief. He is not killing the prophet because of this prophecy, but he says, I'm sure that I will kill you tomorrow, kind of. This is not going to happen. This is impossible. Are you kidding me? I look around and there is devastation. Don't tell me that you have good news. But that's what we are hungry for. Good news for our country. Good news for our community, for our state, for our city. For our own family, for our own lives. We want God's promises in our lives. As you know, I grew up in Romania. Who would have believed in 1989? I grew up with this thing. I I thought, nobody will change the situation. Nobody will, will collapse this system of communism. And it came in 1989. It was an amazing thing. God is doing amazing things today. I remember a person, <clears throat> a friend of mine, came to me a few years ago, and he said, my, my wife decided to laugh me. I am devastated. He was close to just, just take his own life. And we encouraged him. We loved him. We showed him God's care in spite of the circumstances. And after seven years, sticking, sticking to God's promises, to God's love, he was able to remarry, and today he is happily married. Stick to God's promises. Under the siege. Four lepers. In this time, they say, who is going to do this, right? And four lepers are outside the city gate of Samaria. Who will even notice them, right? They are outside the city. They are between the enemy camp and between the capital city. They are in the worst place to be. If they start the war, arrows will come at them from both sides. They are at the city gate because they cannot go in. People inside die of starvation, but they have a personal problem. They are the pariah of the society. Nobody wants to hang out with them. In fact, can you imagine being a leper in that time? If you were a father, you went to the priest with something on your skin, and the priest will say, this is leper. And from that moment, you couldn't stay maybe 20 or so more feet. You were isolated. There was a circle around you. You couldn't touch anybody else but a leper. You had to leave your family. Can you imagine not having your kids, putting them to bed at night anymore because you are a leper? Not being able to hug your wife and kiss her? Being a grandparent, not being able to go to the wedding of your kids or grandkids? Not being able to participate in life as usual. You are done. You are outside the city. You live far away. You cannot even work. You lose your job. You lose your house. You cannot live in the same house. Everything you touch is contaminated. People die because you touch something and then they touch again. 
and they are outside the city, and their disease is incurable. It's like today's being infected with Ebola. Remember there was a lady who said, why should I stay in quarantine? I, I, I want to go home. It's so hard for us to, to think of us that we are lepers. But that's what it was like. Disconnected from friends, isolated from the family, and definitely waiting for their death to come. And they are sitting at the city gates. They are sitting at the city gates. Have you ever felt like a leper? People maybe around your circle of friends, they go to a party and you are left out. How many of us have feel rejected by people we thought we are our friends, isolated? At work maybe you are left alone when the others go for lunch. Everybody goes for a drink, but you are not invited after work to go with them for the drink. Your friends, they're good friends, they talk about vacations together, and they plan, and they do take vacations together, but right there you are, and they not even invite you. Maybe you are at school, and you feel isolated. You feel, what, what sort of community am I living in? Yet God works through these people. These four lepers at the city gate of Samaria, they think of something else. They make right there at the city gate the, the defining decision of their life. They look at themselves and they think, you know what? There's nothing here for us. If we stay here, we die anyway. We are starving. Nobody from our family is even coming with food because there is no food. And first, I mean, the city gates are sealed. We are sealed from the city. If we try to get into the city, we will die in the city because the city is dying. The only hope for us is to go to the enemy and surrender. And they say basically, if we die, at least we die on the move. Have you seen people like that? I hear people that say, they say that, you know, they say, I would like, I would like to be on the move. I like to be decisive. I, I like to, de to do things for God. And in fact, I want on my epitaph to say, ha, he was a person on his way. He was moving. He was pushing. I want to die in action, some people say, because I want to do that for God. I want to be always busy. And that's what they say. The second moment in this story is the transition. They suddenly transition from being stuck to being on the move. Being stuck at the city gate, being isolated, they say, no more isolation. We die. There's no more, nothing behind us, nothing to leave, nothing to be sorrowful for. We only have to move forward. And they decide to go into the camp of the enemy. I remember my father-in-law used to joke. I didn't, I mean, I remember stories about him. I didn't meet him in life. But he was saying, you know, if the Chinese want to conquer Romania, we were in Romania, they just have to come and surrender, you know. And we have to give them food. And then, you know, if they send us 10 millions, that, that's it. You know, they don't even feel it. But the same thing, they say, you know what, we are going to surrender, we are going to be prisoners of war. You know? So they start, they go maybe with a stick and with a, with a white flag, and they start marching. They start marching on that road towards the enemy camp. In transition. In transition. We are not yet at a destination, but the past still defines us. They are not yet there, they don't know what's going to happen, and yet they know there is only death behind. They are lepers, they cannot change who they are but they can change the direction in which they go. They cannot change anything about healing themselves. But they are not even anymore looking for a cure for their disease. 
They look for something deeper, for a healing of their hunger, for a hope for their life. And they say, we don't even care if we stay lepers all our life. It doesn't matter. It's fine with us. We are at peace with that. We accept God's will for our life. What we want is hope. We want to stay alive. We want, to want a piece of bread, something that will help us to live another day. In transition, they are facing either death, going forward, or their destiny. There's two ways. They are either going to their death or they are going to either make the biggest decision and biggest change in their life. They are going to survive when everybody else is going to die in the city. And they were already dying. The miracle happens right there in transition, right? While they are still walking. You know, they, 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 they say, if we go during the day, the Israelites are going to shoot arrows and kill us because they will think that we are betraying them. They will see us leaving the city gates and going toward the enemy and they think that we are going to tell them secrets, how they can get into the city. They are going to kill us. So they go at dusk. At dusk, at the same time, as they were starting to travel towards the enemy camp, there is something happening, a miracle of God, right? Remember the prophecy through, Isaiah, uh, through Elijah the prophet? In 24 hours, things will change. So at dusk, in the enemy camp, something happens. Something happened, and there is a big noise that they hear. It's a false noise because nothing is real. It's just in their minds. And they start to see this, this big army, Israelites, coming with, a, with the Hittites and with the Egyptians. Big armies that they hired. And they are going to come and kill all of us. And they are so scared, the, the noise is so big, that they drop everything there. The fire, the warm food, everything, the soup is still warm in their table. Everything they drop, they take nothing. They don't even have time to mount on their horses. They leave horses, camels, everything, and they start running because they are scared for their life. There were four lepers coming. Four lepers. They are still lepers. And yet the enemy thinks an army is coming. What a distorted view of reality the enemies sometimes have, right? But we are always, sometimes, tempted with the same thing. We think, well, they are so big. The enemy is so big. They are going to kill us. And yet God tells you, no, no, no. Yeah, maybe your parents told you that you are good for nothing. That you are, nothing is going to come out of your life. And you have to find in this transition stage, with everything that they told you. Or maybe... You work hard, you give everything at your work, and somebody else is being promoted. And you say, what's going on? I thought that I'm in transition. I'm, kind of, I'm going to, from this place to the better place. But you see others passing by. Or maybe the doctors are not too optimistic about the results that they are going to give you. The prognosis is not good. But you have to trust in those moments. In the God who knows what's ahead of you. In the God who can change something in the future, in your destination. Maybe the spouse left you. And you say, what's going to be with my kids, with my family? It's not time. In transition, there is no time to dwell on your past. There's no time to dwell on your problems. In transition, the calling is look to something else in the future. You can step, you can step into that future. You can change the direction of your life. Because you know that even if you don't know what's happening there, God is with you. 
That's why we say in Psalm, you are with me in a, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of the dead. These were dead men walking, and they thought, it's very likely that we are walking to our death, and they do it. They trust that God will be with them no matter what. Keep on moving, is God telling us. Don't stop. Give me 24 more hours. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Survive 24 more hours. Wait on the Lord, is what the prophets tell us. And that's what they do. They go forward. By the time they get there, and this is a painter, a Scottish painter, you know, they, they reach to the first stand. Is the, is the outskirts of the camp. It's, there's the edge. They go into the first camp, you know, in the tent. They were expecting to see some warriors there, you know, and be captured and maybe be judged and tied up. And Nobody's in the tent. They see food on the table. The soup was still warm. They, 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 they touched a beautiful piece of meat that was just sizzling. They say, what's going on? Can we eat this? And they start to divide the meat between them. And then they see, they see some gold there some nice daggers, some nice cups of silver, and they grab them. They go outside, they make a hole, they put them in, and then they go to the next tent, and they do the same thing. And then, and then they look around, and they say, where are they? Why, why is nobody killing us? Where is the trouble? They expected to see trouble, and that there is no trouble, so they instead find plenty. Yes, they find plenty. And they start to think, is God really going to bless a leper? Is this going to be true? Can, can God be this such, such a God? These friends of us, the entire people in Samaria are dying there. And look what we have here. Not only food, but we have here gold and silver and riches and horses and camels and everything else is here. What's going on? Can God clear an enemy? An enemy camp for you. For you, a leper? A pariah? Somebody isolated, outcast of the society? Can social outcasts become God's honored guest? Imagine that. They feel, God, you have laid a table before me in front of my enemies. In front of my enemies, my cup overflows. There's nothing I can do but just thank you. You are indeed. The Lord is my good shepherd. He leads me to green pastures. They are in green pastures. And as they do that, as they, as they eat there, as they have their full, as they start to hit the gold and the silver, God opens the door for them to bless the city. And he opens the door for you. When something goes right in our life, when we, we get to this stage of plenty, when we have what we need, when we see God's healing, the thing is, we see God's success in our life. Maybe we were thinking of a ministry and it starts to take off. And it goes well. Maybe the healing brings back our loved one home. But we can't believe it's true. It's hard to believe it's true. We say, God, is this? And it's, it's, we want to keep it quiet. We, we don't even want to share with people. Say, well, he came home or, you know, he's home. But we don't know. Maybe tomorrow he's going to go back to the hospital. Or, you know, we don't know. I mean, yeah, my business is going well. I got his client. But I never know. I mean, it's, you know, how can I secure them? Tomorrow it might dry up. So we want to keep it quiet for a while because we are afraid even to celebrate the goodness of God, the plenty. And not only that, we doubt that it will last. We doubt that God will have us enjoy the same riches tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. They think, what, what if they come back and arrest us? 
in plenty will you share your success with those who are still under the siege. If you know three steps that will help somebody, would you share those three steps instead of letting them rot? Instead of looking in their eyes and knowing that they are going to die because they are under siege and there is no hope for them unless you tell them the secret. Will you be the one who will give them the path towards that success? Will you give back to God and to the community by serving the others? Will you do that? You have gifts, you are in plenty. Will you point others to salvation? Will you point others to salvation? What if, what if, what if they would have kept burying things? Remember? The parable of the talents. Jesus talks about one of them receives these talents and he goes, dug the hole and puts it in the hole and leaves it there until the master comes back. And Jesus says, you don't do that. If you receive a talent, you have to use it. Employ it. Be a capitalist in the true sense. Be an in, a guy who is taking initiatives and who uses what you have. How many times have you been fed by God's word, right? How many times have you been helped? In healing, in sickness, in despair. How many times God's hope changed your despair? How many times you were healed from fear? Imagine that today you as a Christian, you have the cure for Ebola. You know what it is. It's just a vaccine and you have it. And you hold it in your freezer. And people are dying left and right. That will not be right. That wouldn't be right, right? The city is our siege. The world is under siege. This city, Grand Rapids, is under the siege. They need air. They need food. They need God. They need grace. They need mercy. And God is using lepers. So there's nothing we can say, well, he's not going to use me. You know, why was, you know, maybe somebody is listening to this message, you know, online. You say, well, I'm just... Bad stricken, I mean a bad. But even in a bad, you can still pray that God will bring resolution, healing, and mercy, and food to those who are under siege. Nothing is more satisfying than knowing that God is healing somebody, somebody's heart, transforming a heart that was hard like a rock and makes it a heart of a child of God. In fact, the whole heaven says he rejoices when somebody who was lost is found. Will you, will you be that person that will tell us that? And what about praying for our church? Will our church be open to the needy? We will say, here, those who are, are hungry and those who look for hope, they, they receive hope. What if we make our church a place of refuge, truth, love, where the oppressed can find embrace, inclusion, friends? What if we make this place, this church, a place where God's grace Restores life. And that's why we pray every Sunday that God will continue to penetrate lives, to change lives, to turn around those who are in despair and waiting. They're on their dead walk. And then we say, no, go towards life. Get out of your situation. If God can use the four lepers, there's no excuse that he cannot use us today, who in many ways are in plenty. We have his grace and the world is still under siege. Our communities are still under siege. You say, well, some people are not. They don't feel it. Yeah. But there will be a moment in their life when, like these people of Israel, they will need it. When we baptize the kids today, that's what the parents believe. They are hungry to see God's grace in the life of these kids. As they grow 
and move forward in life, they say, God, come and feed them. Use them. Bless them. Grow them to be your messengers of peace. And one day they will turn and not only embrace God, but go with this message. There's food. There's love and grace. There's forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for calling us one more time to remember that you, lose, you use lepers. That sometimes the news is so good that it seems to us too good to be true. That you accept everybody, including us. That you use us. We sometimes forget that. That Jesus too was rejected by his own. Was crucified by his own. So we ask that you will give us the courage to believe in your promise. To allow your spirit to use us. And to bless our communities, our lives, our families. With the good news of the gospel. And with the healing of Christ and his grace. Amen. Would you please stand and receive the greeting of the Lord. As we go from here as agents of God's grace and renewal. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he give you his peace. Amen. If you would like to pray with somebody, there is a prayer room here to my right. Please go there. You may go in peace.